0: so welcome back everybody i'm matt rosenthal and this is digging in so if you're new to the show what we do here is we dig into what it takes to be success in a few areas in business in life in health and oftentimes the combination of those things come together so we want to talk about how you can use this information to reach your potential you're going to hear some really really cool stories today our guest is awesome Uh, I had the good fortune of being on on his show, his podcast about a month ago. The uh, conversation was fantastic. Not to set expectations too high, but I think this is going to be a continuation of that. I think it's going to be great. Um, I would suggest you grab a a, a notepad and a pen and get ready because I'm telling you, Mark Edwards has a lot of really good information. Uh, He's a man of many talents. He is self-made and currently he's the CEO of Boss Equity. And I know that that's been around for a while, and he's going to talk about that. Uh, Guy has a lot of experience. He's a specialist in advising and leading in acquisitions in a very cool niche, which is the tech space, but software specifically. So we'll talk about that and how he got uh, into that. Again, tremendous source of knowledge, experience. He's also the host, as I mentioned, of the Boss IT podcast. So we're going to hear about how he got into that. And um, look, he's a serial entrepreneur, and to me, the word entrepreneur doesn't mean trying things and failing only. It also means being a success, and he is. He's a success, and he's going to talk about it all. So, welcome to the show. Actually, honored to have you on. It's uh, it's fantastic.
1: Thank you, Matt. What an introduction! It, you know, it makes it, it makes this feel like a penalty shootout. You put the pressure on me now. Penalty shootout is 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 a very uh, topical theme at the moment because we're only a few days after seeing England. Fail in the final at a penalty shootout, which is a recurring theme for the English, I'm afraid. <laughs> but let's see how I do. Let's see how I do with these these penalties.
0: <laughs> I think you know I saw something on the news. Now that you mentioned it, I don't follow that sport, but I saw something about how the uh, the the Queen and the family are are still recovering from yes. from loss. It was like a whole news article on it. I'm like, we all new. are. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> There's a, lot of reco- there's a lot of recovering going on. For those of you who don't follow football, it was the European Championships. England, for the first time in 55 years, got through to the final against Italy. It was 1-1 at full-time, extra time, and there was a penalty shootout, and we missed three of the five penalties, so we came second. Yeah, but it was a, it was a good experience overall.
0: You know that's a perspective. That's actually a great place to start our conversation. Because the yeah. last time you and I talked, we talked so much about um, about things in, um, mentally and the way you, we, we approach things and the way we see things. And I remember asking you about that brain behind you and- um, Yes. Maybe you, you can kick Outsmart. us off talking about that and, and what it all means to you. Okay, so there's
1: two, two companies that I have. Boss Equity, which has been going for 22, 23 years. Um, is a mergers and acquisitions company, but we specialize within the software sector. So when presenting it, I always say, you know, we've done deals on four continents. So we truly are international on that side. And we predominantly work on the sales side. So that means that a software company may come to us and say, we're looking to exit or some of the shareholders are looking to exit. How do we go about that? Um, what makes us different is we came from the software industry ourselves, and we approach this more of a sort of a long-term process. Not we want to sell within the six months, get us out of here. It's we've got a business, we need to be made. I suppose in 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 football parlance is match fit. We need to prepare for that event so we work with companies to do that and we also as we're doing at the moment we will work with companies that are looking to acquire but make the right sort of acquisition because acquisitions typically there's a high failure rate either they don't happen or they happen and they fail on the other side I've got um, outsmart and the tagline for outsmart is um, outsmart not outspend and that business is about strategic positioning and messaging again within the software sector. And and what really happened, that's a new company that came about from the learnings that we've had here, working with lots and lots of different software companies, um, seeing what works, what doesn't, gaining a lot of experience, devising a process. And one element of that process we called competitive space, which is the, the positioning of your company and how you articulate the positioning of your company to a target market has a great effect on your results and also in the mna terms that final valuation so that was so valuable we learned so many lessons from that we said actually we need to take that because there's going to be people that could benefit from that that maybe are not looking to sell within the next year two years three years they're looking for more of a long time journey and they can they can take those lessons and they can help it to grow the business. Uh, more quickly, and the important element, I co-founded that with uh, Neil Cumming, my, my uh, co-founder, whose background is in cognitive science, hence why we have another brain here, because it's about understanding the brain and the way that we communicate.
0: Okay, so... <laughs>
1: There's this, a lot of information there.
0: This, this is perfect. So I, I, one of the reasons I even do this show, I, I've been curious... Throughout my life, I'm I'm so curious how people get I see you now, right? I see, but but there's a whole journey, there's a whole story, right? And I'm I'm curious like how how you got to where, where you are. And I think people listening are, are curious, like this guy successful, you're well spoken, you know a lot about a lot, you advise, you guide, people trust you. You didn't start out that way, right? No. You, there was no. a lot of nerve. Yeah. You kind of can you just I'm curious, like, how'd you get here? How'd it start? Take me through
1: good, it. Good question. Um, and I think it makes me think of, um, I was thinking I've got three children, now three grown up children. And I thought if I had to give them one thing, what, what would that be? Or two things. It would be confidence and curiosity. Because I think with both of those, you give yourself the ability to learn. And that's what, to me, that's something that I've always enjoyed. And I think confidence increases that ability to learn. And I must admit, I think earlier on in my life, um, although I wouldn't say I was somebody who lacked confidence, I'm talking about genuine confidence. I'm not talking about people who can appear confidence, but that's sort of putting up a bit of a, a barrier. You know, they, they, they oh, perhaps, yeah, an, sort of an alter ego or a, a, a um, I'm talking about being authentic. I, you know, I think that's one of the things that I definitely, I, people talk to me about authenticity in many different aspects, but being authentic to yourself is really important. Um, but a genuine confidence, a confidence to say, I don't know, but I'm willing to take that step to find out. And I'm quite prepared. I'm going to make mistakes here. And take the consequences of that. And you've always think, had that about you? To a degree. Um, and I think that came from from my mother, who had my brother and I, she had certain phrases and I don't know if this is the same for you, but where your parents repeat certain things over and over again. And it almost gets, you know, it's right into your, your hardware in your brain. Yeah. And there was a phrase. Yeah, exactly. It, there was a phrase that my mother used to say to me, which was you, you can be and achieve anything that you want as long as you're willing to work hard at it and go for it.
0: And And that that, after throughout, like when you were younger, she would always this was
1: before school, before going to school, she would she would say things to us that I think at that time, we probably didn't understand fully, you pick up an inkling of it. And to be honest with you, it was only when I started to have children of my own, that I started to appreciate what a good parent she was, the things that she would say and do to set us up. In, you know, for becoming an adult and for taking on the challenges in life. But that was something that was repeated to me so frequently. And it was sad because in the last 10, 12 years of her life, she had dementia or Alzheimer's and that person disappeared although her body was still there. So I had quite a time to, you know, think that through. It's a, it's a difficult thing when you've got a loved one who goes through that process. So you do remember the person as they were and that was one of the really strong impressions but to answer your question I think that that definitely gave me a platform to be able to to go out and willing to give things a try didn't always feel comfortable there were many times when you know I give you an example I I worked for GEC Avery and I was working as a an out in the field salesperson and I was selling electronic scales and tills that were linked together at that time. That, that was sort of the height of technology. It was quite some time ago. But I was selling this to retail outlets. So it was people like fishmongers, greengrocers, butchers. And um, I was told by one of the very experienced salespeople there go and sell to the butchers because very few Avery salespeople will go in there they've got knives and they tend to be a bit rough and tough these guys and they they scare sales people away right. but actually if you can break through that 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 they've, they've been exposed less to that, that that selling and actually if you can actually engage with them that's something that's quite different to for them and you might be able to have better success and that's what i found is I, I would actually go and target butchers in particular because Normally, the salespeople go. No, I'll go to the next one. I'll go to the greengrocer. <laughs> but I actually that's went into the butchers.
0: Answer. like you pushed yourself. By the way, I want. I I, made, I was making some notes while you were talking because I want to. I want to add to what you were saying. But sure, this is a valuable lesson here. This is a valuable piece of information. You. It sounds like it was intentional too. You you pushed yourself into a situation that was uh, uncomfortable. Yes. Is that not a, that's a pattern of being an entrepreneur? It's a pattern of. Or, an element of success, in, whether it's personal or it's health or it's business, it doesn't matter. Being uncomfortable is almost like a necessity, and you pushed yourself to do it, knowing yes. that it was going to stretch you.
1: Yes, yes, there, yes, that's true. I, I did. It, it was uncomfortable. I, I mean, but I, but I think quite early on, I started to get small signs of success that encouraged me that I was on the right track. Didn't always work but I understood that that's what success is like. You know, um, one story uh, I can tell you is I knocked, I I went into a, a butcher's, it was quite a large one. And I said, I asked if I could speak to the owner and they said, he's got a meeting out the back. And I walked into this room and there was eight butchers having some sort of association meeting. And in comes a salesman from Avery. And I was like, fair game to them. And they just laid into me about what I was dressed, how young I was. And it was really tough. And I, in a fun way, I started taking the Mickey a little bit out of them. I, you know, I I stood it and had a little bit of a go back at them. Uh, And one of the guys, Geds, said, who was in charge, was like the chairman, he said, After about 10 minutes of this, you know, it was a bit of backwards and forwards, sort of they're trying to get rid of me and and I was saying different things. He said, fair on you, he said, do you want a cup of tea? Come through to the back. And I ended up selling two systems on the back of that because they got to know me as an individual. They realized that they'd been a bit unfair of me. They realized that they'd been rough, but I still stood there. And then they got to know me as an individual and they invited me in. And actually, after that, I could go and speak to any of them. So I sort of broke through a barrier, if you like. Yeah. So that encouraged me that, you know, I didn't just go to butchers, but I, I, went, I went where a lot of the salespeople didn't go from Avery at that time.
0: You know, you've just said a few things that they're, that they're all kind of connected for me in a certain way. When you mentioned before with the, the cognitive side of things, when you talked about, the programming that the subconscious programming that that of your mom telling you all those those things and yeah. it really is true those things really do get planted subconsciously and I'm with you uh, I had a different experience I had actually it's an interesting contrast I had the opposite experience right my experience was um, I was told from the time I was young you're no good you're never going to be anything if you can imagine all the opposites of that that's what was yes. I heard yes. so you went into things with an inherent programmed confidence even though you you didn't realize that your mother did a what a wonderful thing which is what you were referring to that you do for your children and it sounds like you were aware of it and I can relate to that too because again that contrast I know what I had to go through as an adult to reprogram my own mind to get away from this sense that I always had of you always have this I'm not good enough going on a lot of people have that and I had it back but I was still able to push through, be in uncomfortable situations. And, and just, it was this, I, this idea that like, I knew that I wanted to be a success in some way. But listening to you talk about you having the opposite experience and you were able to stand there with the butchers because you had a, an inherent programmed in confidence and you knew nothing was going to happen. What's the worst that could happen? Like yeah. you weren't bad about it and you, you just knew it. And, and that sort of explains that what you mentioned before the um there's like an energy or a vibe of confidence that you can tell is authentic and real versus something that's contrived because it's programmed into you it is real for you yeah it it,
1: it is i mean and i think that if you've had that negative programming to change that is a much harder job than i had you know without a doubt and and, and i know that because i relate that to my mother's upbringing and she had the negative parenting you know she had a parent one parent who had never been to school and she had a father who treated her quite harshly and and favored her brother because he was male and was given the opportunities and she was not given those opportunities um so for her to be able to take that on board and say because of what often happens is you know, how you're parented, you end up parenting in the same way. And that's how these things are handed down the generations. But for her to say, stop, I'm not going to parent in the same way, because that was wrong. I think that takes a conscious effort. That's hard. I, I was just, I've just been fulfilling the programming that was put into me, you know, and I've passed that on to my kids to change it, to change the programming is a much tougher job.
0: It's interesting how, how generationally, I was aware when I was young that that I made it a point I'm when I, I thought about this when I was much younger, I'm going to make sure that I get married to somebody who's going to be um, the opposite of what my experience was with my children and I when I met my wife, I actually was very observant of her mother and their family and their relationship and I actually went out there and I said I'm breaking this cycle of of negativity. Yes. And um, it, it is interesting and so it sounds this is cool because it sounds like your, your mom had was a mindfulness there yes and it was good intention and, and it's like that's a lesson in life and by the way when you want to be talking about about your, your kids and uh, confidence and curiosity actually let's go back to that that is so important in life right yes. you're teaching it i'm teaching the same thing but you and i come from two totally different childhoods upbringings yes and we found our own ways to be successful and to yeah. be able to be here and, and, and tell the people watching or listening, curiosity yeah. and confidence, that, that really is like those two things are essential.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we have. We've had a different parenting experience. But I think I know from because we did the podcast before, we're going to be aligned on a lot of things. We are aligned on a lot of things because we've already discussed that. So although, we, although we've come at it from different directions, we've, we've found this, this middle ground where we are where we think, you know, we're on the right track. Hopefully we are. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to see as your children grow older, you, you, you don't know exactly how things will turn out. But um, I do see confidence in all three of them, but it comes out in different ways. Um, you know, they've, they, they're all quite entrepreneurial in their own way. Uh, my course, son decided to go man. and live in France and start a business there. Sorry, in, in Spain and start a business there. Um, that was quite surprising to me. And I thought, wow, that's a big move. He hadn't established himself with a business, but he said, not only am I going to go and st- establish a business, but I'm going to do it in another country, one in which I don't speak the language. He does now, but he's been there two years. Think about the but, confidence that
0: takes. Like, so that's like... Yeah you actually took what you had experienced and somehow you amplified it right because that's that's serious i mean that that takes a lot of courage a lot of independence and confidence to do what he did and whether yeah. he either fails he clearly has um i don't know some a confidence in that way of knowing that that's okay too otherwise you wouldn't have taken the risk you know? yeah yes I, I i think to, your family, to you and your wife i mean that's that's really and that is a huge lesson when it comes to family like that's interesting mindfulness and and awareness by accident you were programmed that way but you're talking to me about it you know what you were doing with your kids it was intentional
1: well i i remember somebody and i can't remember who it was that said to me your children will not necessarily take notice of what you say but they will of what you do and that that is something that has, has always been there in, in the back of my mind. Whenever, you know, thinking about parenting, they do watch very carefully what you do. So if, if you're not genuine, you know, you can say, if you say one thing and do another, they'll notice that. So it keeps us in line as well, doesn't it? Does. <laughs> <laughs> Have
0: you ever heard the expression, that's not an expression, I guess it's, 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 we can call it, I'm not sure what to call it, but it's somebody once said to me, you can live your life wanting things and, and, and like trying to have things, but if you just be, then do, you will have. Right? Yes. So if, you, if you just, and I think about that in, in every aspect, I'll give you a really ridiculous example. For some reason over the past year, I gained like five pounds. I'm a little guy, so I, I'm, I'm trying to lose the, actually I gained 10 pounds. I want to lose five pounds. Okay. I, thinking about it so much. I've been counting calories. I go to the gym a lot. So I've been doing all these things. I have lost the five pounds. And I thought to myself like a week ago, like, you know, I'm, I'm trying too hard. I'm thinking about it too much. I just have to be healthy. I just have to be, uh, whatever I need to be. It'll just happen on its own. And funny in the past week, I lost a pound because I stopped thinking about it. I stopped. It, it was just too much, but it applies to business and it applies to what you're saying too. It's it's the be, do, have mindset versus yeah. the way around. That's, that's,
1: a, that's a really good point. I, and, and years ago, I managed a gym. I've always been into health and fitness. So I, I, I experienced and came across lots of people that had similar goals to yourself. And somebody just recently said to me, I want to go back to the gym and I want to lose weight and I want to get fitter, but I can't get motivated. And I said to them, good. I said, what do you mean good i said when you're not motivated in the morning i want you to go find the times when you're really not motivated because this isn't about motivation it's just about doing it and if you can go when you really really don't want to go go at a silly time when you you couldn't think of a worse time to go but go anyway and do the workout you will start to win you take control because I think a lot of people think, and, and I'm a regular gym goer, but that's no great shakes really, because I've been doing that my whole life. It's a habit. I don't think about it a lot. I get up in the morning at six and I get to the gym by 6.30. And I do that five days a week, sometimes six days. I'm doing it and I've always done it. I used to be a triathlete. So I was used to get up very early in the morning. And after a while, when it becomes a habit, it's not as great an effort. But how many times do I go and actually, if I really stopped and thought about it, I don't want to go? Well, quite a lot, quite a lot. And I think, I think from the outside sometimes, somebody will look at somebody else who has got that right fitness regime and look at them and say, it's easy for them because they always want to go. No, they don't. Because they're waiting for to, be the, to get the motivation. And I think that applies the same in business is I'm waiting to get that great idea. I've had so many people come to me and they say, it's okay for you, you started your own business and you've made money that way. I just need that great idea. If I can think of the great idea, and the great idea never comes, and I say, you don't necessarily need a great idea to have a business that's successful. You can go and take an, an old idea and just do it better. 100%. I don't, You don't need all of that to get you motivated. And it's the same with fitness. So I I think I've written, but I haven't completed. And this is one of the things I need to do is um, maybe next year. I've been very busy um, over the last few years, a book about getting fitness and, and health. And I think one of the points that I would definitely put in there would be, you know, conquer that that control that your mind sometimes has in thinking I've got to get motivated to do anything find a time when you
0: really don't want to go and go anyway and just do we we got we got to use that right there to to transition into into the, the, the business part of that because that's business as well it's yeah I think what I just heard you say is which is a bad habit for many people is procrastination excuses there's all these different things you can come up with but if you wanna have something, right? So it's that be, do, have, you have to be that first. So um, you're right, like last night, I, I didn't wanna to go to the gym. I had a long day yesterday, I'm with you. I usually go in the morning, I didn't make yeah. it. So yeah. my wife went out for dinner with her cousin and I said, you know what, it was like eight o'clock. I'm like, I'm going to the gym. And I went, I was exhausted, but I actually, and I wanna talk about this, I had the mindfulness to say, okay, I know exactly what you just said, because I've been doing it for so long. I know that I'm gonna feel better. I know well, that I did, I did it and yeah. I did it and I had a crappy workout. I did one of my half-ass workouts, <laughs> but I went and I did it. And when I came home, I was like, damn, I'm glad I did that. That applies to every day in business too, if you're a business owner and there's people listening to this that, that struggle and, and with themselves, the, the, the conversation they have with themselves. Oh, I'll just do this next quarter. Oh, I'll just do that. At some point, you got to do it or you're yeah. never going to have it. So it goes back to the be do, right? You got to do it.
1: Yeah. It, it, very, very true. And, and actually, it's, it's, it's a very good point because what, when I talk, when I speak about the process within boss equity that we use with our clients, that actually came from that philosophy in a way. Because one of the observations that I made was that I've been very fortunate because I've been exposed to lots and lots of software companies from all over the world, so I get to see the inside of what's really going on. You can look at a business from the outside; everything's wonderful, you know, everything's great. We're growing, more opportunities. When you when you're talking to an organisation from the M and A perspective, you have to see the reality. And when I go in and I meet the founders, I can get a pretty good feel of what I'm going to find in the rest of the organization from getting to know those founders. So the software engineers who come up with a great idea, write some software, start a business, they're going to have pretty good technology and their marketing is going to suck and they won't do much of that because they don't like it. They're not confident in that area. It's not something they're interested in. So their marketing is not going to be good and probably their sales is, is similar. And they will, they will win sales because they've got strong technology and they'll get sales by references, but that will inhibit their growth. The people, you will see great sales process and they're active and they're talking to people and they get out there, but the technology is probably not that good. And sometimes even their marketing is not good. You know, You see that blend, you get the financial people and it's all about you know, their finances and the, and the financial models that they've created. And when I ask them for stats on the business, it comes back instantly and it's well-organized. But you look into another area of the business and it's not as good. So the process was to say, if you really want to create value in your business, there are certain things that you're going to have to have within that company, um, with very few exceptions. If you want um, true um, to really get the return that you've invested into your business with your sweat equity and all of the time and effort you've put into it, if you really want to get a return on that and to sell that business, you have to reduce the risk and in reducing the risk, you have to have certain columns. I think of it like a colosseum. you know, having a business that is just got great technology, a single column on the Coliseum. Well, that's not very stable. And the more columns that you can add to your business, you know, replicatable processes and documented processes, boring stuff, but the more of that you can add, the more of a solid, stable business you can have.
0: Tell me more about that, because that's, that's gold right there. You know, there's so many people that, that, that are listening to this are, are business owners and they might be stuck, they might be on a treadmill and they may be getting older and maybe they do want to get out. And yep. you know, there's, right now, there's just multiples are, are much higher. Mm. Um, and, and so if somebody has that in mind, what are those things again? Well, there's five, and this is my
1: methodology. It's, 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 a, it's a way of visualizing it for our clients, but we cover all elements of the business within these five modules. Um, but you're right. that I mean, the multiples, and I'm only talking about the software sector here, but the principles that you could apply, you could apply to any business. Yeah, I'm talking uh, IT
0: as well, actually, because we're both IT guys. I'm, I'm thinking yeah. IT. Yeah, yeah in my business I, I, somebody offered me something a few weeks ago, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? No I'm yeah. not selling but I can't believe it
1: yeah yeah there, there is it's it's possible to get you know an enormous return and, and we see that because they are the cases that get publicized. There are also offers that are a lot less than that. There are businesses that are bought for a dollar sometimes, so there's a very wide extreme range you know from the oh, bottom wow. to the top end give me give, so give, the fi- give, so the five areas is the first one is what i call competitive space that is where you sit within the marketplace how you articulate your value and how you communicate to your target market so that is that is about looking at your competition in which you compete looking at that market sector and understanding the trends and understanding where you sit. And what you ideally want to be able to do, and that's where the the phrase comes from, is is gain competitive space. So people can look to you and they can see the, the strength and the advantage you have, and that there is space around you. So you've got, there's a clear understanding. And just those two words alone are really important. There are so many businesses, particularly in, in, in software and IT that you look at and you go to their website and you think, what do they do? They talk a lot about tech. I don't really understand what it is that they do. And just creating clarity around that alone, A, it enables more people to buy from you. But when somebody is looking to acquire the company, if they've got clarity around that, that again can help. So the first yeah. one is competitive space.
0: like Who are you and what do you do? Like, be very clear with it.
1: Yes. A lot of people at that stage say, oh, I get that. It's differentiating. I don't like that word because I think that that's been taken in my sector and it's been oversimplified and it's been applied in the wrong way. So that just means make yourself different. That doesn't necessarily work. You know, I I could really differentiate myself in this podcast by sitting here in a pair of Speedos and, and a top hat. Probably wouldn't work in my favor. Do you know I what I mean? Yeah, that we- that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I mean? It's not just yeah. about differentiating yourself, it's it's about understanding how you are being seen by your particular market in which you're targeting. So competitive space is the first one. The second one is marketing fuel, which is being able to communicate to many. That's how I differentiate between marketing and sales. And it's creating awareness and it's generating leads for your sales. And that's the third section, which is your sales engine. What are the processes around your sales? Is sales being fed by your marketing? Or are you expecting salespeople to go and do marketing as well? That happens a lot in companies. The sales yeah. engine is right at the heart of your business. That's what it's all about. No sale, no business. You know? So that's why we call it the sales engine right at the heart the next part is management drivers so that's the fourth element and obviously these are multi-layered all of these these areas but i'm just sort of giving you an overview and management management drivers is about imagine that you're driving a car it's your dashboard of your business it's being able to have a strategy but having feedback to see how you're doing or in any given period that's relevant to your business how are you performing? How do you manage people within your organization? How is marketing performing? How is sales performing? Have you got a happy workforce? You know, what are your goals? How do you compensate people? All of those things. And then the fifth thing, which I say you should have in place from the very first day that you open your doors is exit, exit strategy. Is to have a, have a goal in mind for the end. Because if you start with that, It doesn't mean that that exit strategy that you have in day one is the same in year 10, but it gives you a different perspective is you realize that the business is something that is separate from you with its own value and viewing it in that way will help you to manage it in a different way. And I believe that you should always be thinking about increasing the value of your business and how this would be perceived when viewed as an acquisition target. And also be prepared. You know, my experience in seeing a lot of M&A deals completed and, and many that are missed is that there are, I've seen businesses approached with phenomenal offers whereby the business was just not ready to be acquired and they missed the opportunity. Phenomenal offer. The company spotted them and it's been a strategic acquisition for a much larger organization. They've gone in with an offer. And then as soon as they start to dive down into that business, they've seen that there's, a, there's quite a mess involved and they weren't ready or they hadn't got alignment within their, within their shareholders. That can stop an acquisition sure. and the opportunity goes away and it doesn't come back. Sometimes these are, you know, they're, they're fortuitous timing that things just fit at the particular time. And you think, well, that's a great offer, but maybe we'll get a better one later from that company. But you often find that things move on and it doesn't fit again. So having that end objective and being prepared that if that opportunity comes your way, you're ready to take it. So they're they're my five
0: areas. You know, I, I, I tell you from being a business owner, who I've done a couple of mergers and acquisitions over the years. I think I told you previously, I bought out all the partners and now I'm on the receiving end occasionally because there's a lot of consolidation in in, in my in the space that I'm in. Um, I'm constantly being approached by these much larger companies that, that um, wanna make offers. And um, I find it interesting. I could, it's an interesting position to be in because I do think to myself, well, gee, that may not come along two years from now. And, it, and every so often that happens. And I choose to continue moving forward because I haven't reached my full potential yet. And so I haven't, I haven't decided to do that. But what you just said was one of the things that popped out and it was all really, really awesome information. Begin with the end in mind. Do you find that most business owners have a struggle with that?
1: Yes. Like emotionally,
0: they just don't want to go there. Yes, absolutely. Why I do. do you think that is? Um,
1: I don't think that most business owners have given enough thought to why they are starting the business. There are vague ideas quite often. I know because I asked that question before I start an assignment, I go through this process of, I have to sanity check that prospective client I have to think, can I get on with these people? Can I work with them? Do I respect them? Have they got something of value? What do they really want? Um, I believe that my job is not only to help them with that exit, but to also think about what happens afterwards. So one of the questions I'm asking is, what what do you hope to achieve from this? And I have a lot of people that say to me, even at an early startup stage, because we will, we will work with companies. We've worked with them for sort of six, seven years where we're helping with the growth and then the exit that actually is the preferred option for us because you really get to understand the business. And hopefully we, you know, we can help it build it to a larger organization. Really but
0: that's so I didn't know that you, would, you, would do that so early on and you would actually, that's a very intentional. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That was just no, 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 you go ahead. That, um, that's a really interesting, I guess, perspective for somebody to take. I know I want to sell the business at some point. I know that I'm not there. I know that I'm maybe not the one to even shine this diamond up to get us there. Yep. And so let me bring somebody in and spend five years or X amount of years. Really, as you said before, building all those pillars. And when you really look at whatever the cost for your services might be, it's all tremendous. That's a great investment to bring yep. you in to do that. To potentially yep. exponentially increase that multiple.
1: Yes, it, it, I mean we. That's one of the reasons we have to sanity check. I have to look at that, and the business has to be of a certain size or have a certain growth potential where I can say, taking my fees out, I've still added, you know, a big chunk, and it has to be a sizable chunk, and I've got to be able to to see that, and um, before it makes sense, but. The advantages are, and I think where we've been really successful is that when we do finally reach out to potential buyers, traditionally, buyers get to know that dealing with the typical m a company or broker or whatever you want to call them, they will get um, the initial superficial information and then they just want to talk to the owners and because they can't get the owners, the answers from these guys. Whereas we do, because we really, know, we really know those businesses, but we also know the sector and we can add value. And, and sometimes we've done deals between two companies that have both said to us, that's not a good fit. We can't see a deal happening. And we've gone back and we said, no, no, hang on a minute. We think you're wrong. Have a look at this. And then we've made the deal. And afterwards, it's been a great success. And both sides have thanked us to say, we hadn't looked at it like that but we've had that greater insight of being able to bring that together. So that, that it is a different approach. There are downsides to it. It means a big commitment on our side and a big commitment from our client. But I think definitely having the ability to work your exit strategy over a longer period, rather than having a board decides we need to be sold by the end of the year, it can be done. But there's there's going to be a big downside to that, and that will typically be valuation that you get.
0: So it's it's interesting in my experience over the past few years. There's been a few people that I've met. I have, uh, I have somebody that introduces me to other to like companies, knowing that I, I potentially might want to acquire or merge or something. And um, I, I tell you, I often find it, and it's some of the people that I meet, they seem interested. They wanna do something, they, they wanna uh. do whatever. But when yep. I really, when I start digging in and I you know, have some dinners, just get to know them like you're saying and really see what, what, what's going on. And then I begin to ask the due diligence questions. I begin to bring my, my team of people in and we start, it gets real, it gets serious. In every single case recently, I found that the owners or the, the founders and owners, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it because they built a lifestyle business. They're, they're concerned with what could happen. They don't know what their future is. They haven't really thought about it. And oftentimes they're really having the conversation out of fear. Maybe their sales aren't so great. Maybe they're, 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 their business isn't. Whatever their reasons are, they tend to not be the right reasons. And I've found that I've wasted a lot of time with people uncovering what that is. And, yep. um, and it's so obvious on the surface. And, uh, and so I, I've walked away from a lot of, and then when you get to the point where you begin to talk about, this is what your business is really worth. When you add back in all the money you're taking out as the owner or the owners, this is what it's really worth. And, and this is a fair number for that. They don't want to accept it. They had these, these imaginary, it's like selling your house. I, I want 50% more than it's worth, even though I know it's really worth X, <laughs> just because.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two sides to that, and and I, w- I was actually going to say, so it, it's good that you brought that up again. Is where you've been approached by a number of of companies that are looking to potentially acquire you, or perhaps VCs investors are wanting to talk to you. Right and I, you know, I, I'm I'm telling you what happened on the inside here is that is abused. I I have so many clients that have been approached. I had one client that they were approached, uh, it got to a stage where they were approached five times a week by typically investors. And I think what happens is that they get to a certain level of profile where it, it, it gets noticed by the VCs of which there are many out there, VC organizations, they have a process they reach out to organizations and they're wanting to gather information. The problem happens, and I've seen this with clients, and sometimes they will call us when they've just been approached and they're quite excited. And I say, hang on a minute, Let, tell me what's happening. <laughs> that before you get overexcited here, a lot of these companies, and I know because I speak to them as well, they will have a list of maybe two or 3,000 companies and they have essentially people that are on the telephone that are just ringing them every three to six months gathering little nuggets of information to try and find the best company to approach it's a bit of marketing in a way and lots of those companies are thinking wow we've got something valuable because we're being called doesn't mean anything of the sort and it's, it's, you're on a list and it's a bit of fact-finding and they will gather information for you. And bit by bit, they'll write down all the notes of everything that you say and you think, well, I only told them this. Next time you'll tell them that, they start to build up a picture and they get some really good in-depth in information on you. Um, I think sometimes when some of those people change investment companies, I think there's a bit of a transference of information, if you know what I mean. And you start being called by another organization, but don't get overexcited by that.
0: No, because what they're going to do the same, you know, that same due diligence and discovery. And when they, when they really get serious, again, your business is worth what it's worth. And just because you're getting contacted uh, so often doesn't mean your business is worth more. Uh, it's like you say, it's marketing. And I do well, I get those almost every day. I get those calls. Uh, there's a company, I'm not going to mention their name, but they, they've been following me for five, maybe six years. They call me every six months. Yeah. everything watching and they're watching what i'm doing they're aware it's interesting they're watching my videos they're, they're following me and and it's yeah. uh it's it's interesting how much they actually know about me
1: but but don't get it overexcited by that because that is you know that's a tele a telemarketing person that's following you
0: i put it in my back pocket and i say you know i'm still building something yeah uh, I'm, I'm just beginning to hit my stride and I'm in the process of really starting to have a lot of fun with what's about to happen. But if I ever wanted to, all right, there's a few people I could call. Um, but yeah, you're right. Don't get excited. It, it really, it's, uh, it's interesting. But, the, but the,
1: the, the, re, the reverse of this also is I think thinking about you've got a journey to go on. That's how you're seeing it. And you can build this further to where? For what? You see, a lot of people I've heard say, I'm not ready to sell yet. I'm going to sell in five years. So your your criteria is time. So if I come along and I say, here you go, Matt, is $150 million for your business. You're going to go, nope, you're going to have to wait five years because all I'm going to do five, the five years.
0: All of a sudden, five years just became five seconds. Yep, I'll take it exactly it's it's not it's not really the time is it do you know
1: what I mean let and and that's what I was going to say is I've been speaking to a a lot of business owners quite often I say to them what's your objective and they'll say I want to get my business to 100 million revenue why what does that give you and quite often that's when they go uh I just thought it was a good target but why where it seemed like a nice round number. Honestly, I've had that answer multiple times. And I said, right. Do you realize you are a majority shareholder in a business turning over a hundred million? Do you know how many actually reach that? In the site, so you're talking about 0.00% that actually reach that, that level of revenue. But do you realize the amount of wealth you're talking about generating? Ultimately, I think that that we want to create security. We want to journey in an experience, but you want to, to provide something for your family. That can be a much lower figure. And selling your business with a when you get a great offer doesn't end your career. You just bank a lot of money. Financially, you're independent. Now you can really go have fun. Now you're just getting
0: started. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, you find that most... You find, not most, you're finding that that's a common thing where people haven't actually thought that out. And it is maybe some, um, you know, just something that's not real, it's a time period or some unrealistic number or, or whatever it is. Yeah, I, think- I mean, I'm not, I'm not
1: being patronizing because I, I've got to admit my clients are, are well educated, above average intelligence, nearly without exception. There's a lot of really good people. And it's one of the reasons why I enjoy working in this sector. And they're go getters and they're willing, they're willing, they're, they're entrepreneurs who are willing to, to, you know, to put their foot on the line and take some risk. These aren't stupid people. But it, when you are so busy and you have your head down, that is an example of the sort of answer. There are many other types of answers, but also sometimes they base their answer upon something that isn't true. It's a myth. Now, one of the myths is, and again, I get this a lot, is a company comes to me had this just just a few weeks ago. We're recommended to you, Mark. We're thinking about selling. We understand if we sell the business, we've got to stay on for three years. I said, what? They said, we've got to stay on for three years as part of the earnout." I said, who decided that? I said, actually, my experience is, when I've worked with clients, that is, my clients don't want that. No, 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 we wouldn't, but we'll have to. I said, no, you don't. Wow. Who told you that? And that's, that's another very common one is, and that's where you need to sit down and think about. Now, sometimes you'll have a founder who gets to a certain stage of success and the business of a certain size, and he decides, this business has got more growth ability, but I'm not the person to take them on that further journey. A, it could be, I haven't got those skills. B, it could be, Going back to the point you said, what got me here is not going to be what takes me further. Right. And, and I need to make a change and I need to become a different type of manager. And I wouldn't enjoy that. So it's much better if another organization came in and took the business and I exit. Well, all of that can you can you can if you. Are realistic and sit down and really think about what you want and why you're doing it. Sometimes I've had, I've had people come to me and say, I've got loyal people that have worked with me for 15, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. I think it's only fair to them that I find a buyer for this business because I can step back and I can give them a greater career opportunity. There's a lot of people here And we've got some newer people that have joined us, younger, that are looking for a bigger career. They would like to have a career as part of a larger organization when there's a big opportunity. Let them take this business to the next stage. I'm not that person. People sometimes sell because of, they just have done it enough in this particular sector. They want a fresh challenge. Um, They could be health issues. There are many, many reasons why somebody might sell but don't think that there's only one way of doing a deal sitting down and starting from you and what, what your motivation is, why you want to do that is how you do it. And you reverse engineer.
0: It's a very emotional conversation, like for somebody that you're having it you with. And as I'm listening to you talk about all these different ways it could go, I'm like, I am I'm hearing oh. that that it's just, it's, it's, if you're talking to founders, right. It's actually, I have two questions for you. One, if you're talking to founders, um, are you finding that it's, it is as emotional as I would think it would be?
1: Nearly always. Yes, yes. Very rarely do I have founders come to me and say, just get me as much money as you can. I don't care what the deal structure is.
0: I, I it's, just like, it's, it's like a baby. It's almost like a part yeah. of your, like it's such a connection. And I take it this far, it is a part of your identity. Yes. And I was thinking about that when you mentioned the three years, like what would be the reason you're getting paid, so it's not about the money, and it is a part. I can speak for myself. It's a part of your identity, and like, wow, beginning to think about changing that. What does the next chapter of your life look like? Who who am I really? What am I going to do? Uh, I've come across so many people that that stay in a business too long because they've never thought about what they would do next.
1: That that what you just said is very true. Is that the business becomes part of your identity, and I think that that can create a, a bit of a crutch situation is who will i be if that business goes away if that's acquired and that's that's really important that's you know right. it's it's i suppose it's in the same way when you have somebody who's been an employee in a role for many many years and they come to retirement i've seen that where something that they've been really fully engaged with goes and they go oh what now that that goal? What do they get up in the morning for? What do they aiming I want to, to follow achieve? you.
0: I want to ask you one more question, but then I want to go back to that because it leads me into something I was wondering. So you said before that, um, I think it was points something percent of companies you see reach a hundred million dollars. Yeah. What do you think the average, the typical company, like how big do they really get? If you had to say like that, that, that bell curve, like that big chunk, the average company gets to where?
1: Well, It's difficult to define it, but um, if you look at the stats of the size of the companies, you know, companies with less than five employees, 10 employees, that's probably where the biggest bulk is, and then it it gets smaller and smaller the number. Um, I used to think in the software sector, we did an analysis um, when we were looking at all of the companies, we had thousands of companies on our database is um, at that particular time, this was a while ago. um, Most of the companies were under 3 million. The vast, it was like a triangle.
0: The number, the second you said the number, it cut out. Say it
1: again. Uh, 3 million, 3 million. That was some time ago. Um, From the point of view of ideal Acquisition targets, quite often people will say, I'm looking for a company over 5 million, sometimes 10 million. And there are reasons for that. A smaller company will seen as will be seen as more risky because it will have fewer employees. It will typically have fewer contracts. It may have a contract that makes up a large bulk of that revenue. And if you're to lose those people or lose that contract, then what have you got? Um
0: you've got the relationships that are still owned by, by the handful of people that have the, the relationships. And so what does that do to the value? It significantly decreases the value. Yeah, I just have to add, brings it back to what you were saying before, begin with the end in mind and have contracts because you just hit a chord. because in my bit and we're in different aspects of technology, but in my business, I've been very adamant about having contracts to the point where oftentimes I'll have a, a smaller business client, who doesn't want to do a contract i walk away from it i don't want that business I, I, mm. I, although i'm not selling i also realize the importance of having those contracts because you you never i could look to sell next year just because i don't feel like selling now doesn't mean i'm not going to change that point of view next year and um those contracts are three-year contracts and they're so important they're, they're critical yeah the yes
1: absolutely well all of the things that you would ideally do if you are preparing to sell your business, are the things that you should be doing anyway within your organization, because it help it to be a more stable and successful business anyway. And that, I know that sounds a very obvious thing to say, but that awareness for me, made me realize I needed to go and start this business because it, it wasn't, it's not going to be those things that we did with competitive space would help any software company it would help them be more engaging and compelling, more understood, more attractive for prospects of their, their software, not just people who are looking to, to buy the business. Oh, so amazing. Amazing. all of those things are, are worth doing. And quite often they're the things that you're not going to be that motivated to do. Just like going to the gym, you gotta do it anyway.
0: It's the marketing I find so uncommon in our business. Well, we can apply it to a lot of businesses, a lot of, a lot of sectors, the, the the marketing typically isn't something that people focus on or enjoy doing, but yet you're speaking of something important. You're marketing, not just to your to to potential buyers at some point, the marketing is the it's the brand story, it's the voice, it's it's the character, it's who you are, why we're here. Yes, the value of of all of it, and it does speak to everybody, um, no matter what who's looking at you. You know. It's, yes. So uncommon among people who are technical or technical businesses to be aware
1: of the market. Yeah, one of the things that, that there's, there's sort of within competitive space, there are nine elements. And one of those things is personality. And, it, and quite a lot of software companies, you look at them and they almost want to be devoid of personality to create the gray man. You know, they, they sort of hide a little bit. That may be partly the, their, their own personality. It's their
0: own personalities. Yeah. That's, that's their way of not having to deal with marketing. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. Because I mean, you, you it's know, exactly the opposite of what you want. You, people want to be able to connect with you, and connecting with your marketing is connecting with you emotionally as a business and, and the marketplace. It's all emotions, it's it, it's everything. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there have been a lot of business
1: consultants, and I'm trying to remember who said this one one bit said the three most important things in a business are marketing, marketing, and marketing. Might don't know you,
0: they can't work with you.
1: Yeah, exactly. If they don't know you, how are they going to buy from you? But I do understand the other side of the coin is the, 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 the dynamics and the methods, the channels of marketing have changed so much over a relatively short period. You know, somebody who went, went to university 20 years ago to learn about marketing, the what was happening in the processes, the principles would be the same, but the the, the processes were so different, you know. Now, I mean, I re- I remember when I was first in the software sector, so much happened around exhibitions. There would be a number of exhibitions where companies would pick up their leads because they would meet their buyers face to face, and it would all happen. The internet came along. You don't need to go to an exhibition to be able to find out information. And you no longer have to buy from a company that's within 30 miles of where you live. You can buy software from anyone, anywhere in the world. It makes no difference.
0: Makes no difference.
1: That's completely changed things.
0: It changed everything. Mark, you know something? I, I, um, this, the marketing company that I'm working with now made a suggestion to me. Or they have a lot of suggestions. And I appreciate them all because they're, they're really good. Um, and smart people, but one of them was about going out and doing events and do. And I'm thinking, I actually said to them, "Like I, that was two years ago. That was I don't need to go out and do events. I don't need to invest the time to spend a half a day or a whole day when yep. I'm currently doing a uh, a webinar on cybersecurity, reaching hundreds of people who are attending it." delivering value to them. They don't want to go out and, and spend half their time t- going to the thing and sitting there. We, we all want to be more productive. And so I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to really. do that. Don't even set me up with that. What you can do is you can really help me with my, my social media, help me develop my audience so I can reach more people so that I can help more people that way. It's a better use of all of our time. I said, don't set me up with the events. I don't want to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but you can understand if you've got a marketeer there who has been very successful in running events and has lots of skills and contacts in doing events, it's very hard to say to him, they're not necessary anymore. We can do all of this now via a platform like Zoom. And what's happened there is there's been a complete mind shift, different change in the fact that we've had COVID and we've been stuck behind our desks in our own homes and actually the world's continued, business has continued. I've got clients that I've not met face to face. I've done M&A deals where the parties have not been brought. Usually you, you, you get people around Doing the, the table to, do, to negotiate. We've, we've done yeah. it, we've closed the deals Absolutely. and they've not met. And, and did I think that would happen? If, if you'd said that to me five years ago, I'd say, you don't know nothing about m M&A, and You Matt. Know, you know, nothing. That will never happen, but it's happened. Who knows?
0: It happened so fast. Everybody's okay with it. And yeah. now we're all okay with like, this is so much more productive. It's so much easier. And we're yeah. all, able and we're adapting and we're, we're pivoting. And I, look, I think it's for the best, but um, it, it's, yeah.
1: It's changed, it's changed. We have to adapt again, doesn't it? We have to adapt. I, I think what I found is it's been nearly all positive. The one downside is I can fill my day with a lot of really intensive discussions with clients and prospects and potential buyers. You know, having, having m and discussions when you're talking about, you know, we did one recently, we're talking about over a hundred million being bid on this company. That's an intensive conversation and you've got to be really thinking. At the end of the day, if you've had a number of those back to back, my brain's like mush. <laughs> draining you yeah you do and uh i I was saying to somebody earlier i remember seeing a study years ago looking at the calories that a chess master will burn during a competition and they were comparing it to um an olympic athlete who may be competing in a running event and i thought that's exaggerated i'm sure but their brains are working so hard they're burning calories it really is intensive and you feel it so after a certain time, you you know you need to, that's enough. I need to stop
0: now. We have to wrap this up. I can't believe it. We, we talk, it goes, it goes so quickly. It does, isn't it? <laughs> I have no idea how long we've been talking, actually. That's a really good sign, Matt. <laughs> I'm actually being interviewed on somebody else's podcast in 15 minutes <laughs> um, I, have, I, I gotta ask you so i, I want to bring this whole thing together i think we're gonna have to do this again because i didn't even get to i wanted to talk about your whole business journey and we didn't even get to it no we didn't because um, i'm really i am curious but so we talked about in a lot of different ways just now mindfulness and how that connects to to business and health and fitness which you just were talking about being how things could um could drain your brain during the day and tie it all together for me, because I know that you're very into fitness and I, I didn't even get to talk to you about the other company that you had formed, which I wanted to hear about. So tie the mindfulness, the health, the fitness. How well, that I, tell
1: you, I tell you one thing that I've, I've been very thankful for is that I've always been interested in, in health and fitness and sport. And I think I learned a lot of lessons. I was a competitive triathlete. And the lessons that I learned as a competitive triathlete I've applied in business. And it it sounds strange, but sport is a great learning ground because it's, it's very definitive. You know, I, I train a certain number of days and then I compete maybe on, um, maybe on an event that I've done before and I can see my improvement and I can see what works and what doesn't. And i've applied that by using many of the same principles so being able to measure is is important but i've also what i've also done in the same way that i did with sport is i looked to the best sports people to say what is it that they do that i'm not doing that can help me and i've done the same in the software sector so we did we've been doing a long study lots of work something we don't really want to do because it's just research and effort, is study the most successful companies. So we, we track over 400 of the most successful companies. So we're talking about just that top 1% and say, what are the common denominators between these companies that enables them to have phenomenal growth? And believe me, in the software sector, you can have a startup one day and three years later, you can have a unicorn. There are very few industries where you could do that, if any. So you learn a lot from that. And I think that the, the overriding thing that I've learned is that you need to have balance and you need to learn from the examples around you. And then you need to, as you said, just go and do it.
0: Just go and do it. Yeah. If you're up for it, I think we're going we're gonna to have to do a part two.
1: I'd love to. I always have a good conversation with, with you, you, Matt. So yeah.
0: I, I'm, I guess I'm so curious, uh, I do, I want to hear your story, so um, we'll set up. A sure,
1: story. happy to do that. You just, uh, we'll set up a time and we'll, uh, we'll get together again and we'll have another chat. I'll this probably meander done. away and take you in all different directions, but I'll try next time to keep on track.
0: Now listen, you, you, you touched on so many things that are so important and I said in the beginning and hopefully everybody took some notes to Get, get your pens ready um i had no idea we were going to get so deep into the acquisition conversations it's so valuable i mean i I learned a lot from you just now you know it's it's fantastic it's great
1: yeah if there's any any questions and anyone who wants to sort of follow up on any of the points or disagree or you know ask a further question just get in touch quite happy to answer anything on that side
0: that's perfect so i was going to ask you so tell everybody where we can connect with you
1: so we've got Two websites, so BossEquity, so BossEquity.com, B-O-S-S, Equity, equity, and then um, OutsmartStrategy.com, or you can email me. uh, Easiest email address is medwards at BossEquity.com.
0: Okay, and we'll we'll put all of that information in the description below, so it'll all be there. Um, As far as, listen, thank you so much for coming on. Awesome time. We will definitely- Really enjoyed it. I'm I'm looking forward to listening to it back. So send me a copy. <laughs> I don't think we have to edit, even edit this. This is going to be great. <laughs> um, That'd be great. So as far as digging in, listen, check out all of our episodes. We're on YouTube. Uh, please, if you look at the description down below, you'll see you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. And I want to I want to finish with this. Remember, this show was meant to inspire you and I want to help you reach your potential. That's why Mark is here. That's why we did this today. So just do the work and remember, be humble and hustle. Um, I like to say this, hope is not a strategy. You've got to actually take action. You've got to do things. So with that, thank you again, Mark. Thank you.